Good evening. We're thankful for your presence this evening, the time we have to study together, not only in our study, but even in our fellowship as we finish up our services here in just a few moments. If you've got your Bible, you can be turning to the book of Genesis. Be turning to the book of Genesis. When we think about the Bible and the words of the Bible, the Bible as a whole, uh, there is certainly lots of encouragement there. I think that we as members of the church, as those who believe in the whole Bible, do our best to uh, consider the whole Bible with all things that we do. Even this morning in a class that I was part of there at adult classroom number one, I think it may have been William that had quoted uh, things that Bill has said a lot, that you know we have to begin with Genesis 1-1, and we have to go forward from there because it all matters in a sense. We may not live under the same law or, or uh, obey God in the same way as they did in the Old Testament, but at the same time, the Bible as a whole is, is something that we can uh, appreciate, that we can understand, that we can gain something from. The good news of the Bible, in a sense, is that the God that we see in Genesis is the God of Revelation, and that's the God of 2019, and the God that will, will always be. And that should be of comfort to us. And tonight we want to begin a series considering a book of the month club, if you will. Now, I like to also call this job security for the preacher, because you can't get rid of me until we get through Revelation. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I've done this before uh, and uh, at Lake Hills, and of course, because we decided to leave there and, and join you all, we did not get through all of it. And I borrowed this idea before from uh, Brother Chad Dollahide, who's the preacher at the Bremen Church of Christ down in Bremen, Georgia. Uh, they put their services on YouTube like many do, and I was kind of browsing around several of their videos, and he had a, a playlist called Book of the Month. And I thought, that's interesting, to take a look at a book of the month and kind of think for a few moments about what we can learn from that book in a general way. Now, yes, we're going to cover all of Genesis in just a few moments tonight. I give Chad a hard time. We go to Bible camp together, and I give him a hard time. Bill's already checking his watch. All right, here we go. Uh, I give him a hard time because all of his sermons on YouTube that are Book of the Month Club, they start with the number four at the beginning of the time. So we're not going to get to the 40 minutes. We'll keep it under that. And it's a little difficult. But I, I hope that you'll think tonight with me just for just a few moments about how encouraging that can be. Whether we think about the 39 books of the Old Testament or the 27 books of the New Testament, we sing the words, how precious is the book divine by inspiration given. We can think about that and we can take a look, even in a brief way, at a books of the Old Testament and books of the New and, and encourage ourselves. You think about over the period of about 2,000 years by 40, about 40 men. The Bible provides for us salvation. It provides for us answers. And we can begin in Genesis and we can work our way forward and think about that and be encouraged by that, uh, even with Genesis beginning this evening. I was, I was worried about my colors. We had the bad color experience a few weeks ago, but I think it's going to turn out all right. When we think about Genesis tonight in kind of a general way, the author is Moses. As I told you this morning, when we thought about James, I've got several books. There are several books in our library. You can go pull them out. They're about that thick or bigger, and they'll tell you about Moses and whether or not Moses is the author of the Pentateuch or the author of Genesis, and we could spend lots of time in that, certainly in and of itself. But, when we think about Moses being the author of the book of Genesis, that, that provides a little insight for us. And as we go forward in the next few months and we think about 
Um, some of these early books of the Bible, we'll touch on that a little more as we come through some of these books. And we, we think about them again as they are kind of connected. When we think about the theme of the book of Genesis, very simply, I would submit to you, the theme is beginnings. Ah, it's kind of obvious, I know. But the theme is of beginnings when you think about it. I mean, really, try to think about it for just a moment. In Genesis, we have the beginning of the heavens and the earth, the beginning of creation. We have the beginnings of the human race. We have the beginnings of sin. We have the beginnings of the scheme of redemption, though, in the same context. We have the beginnings of the Hebrew people. And that is something for us to really consider, especially launching forth and thinking about what else is forward into the Old Testament and even how that applies into the new. I did not put it on the screen, but you know, um, if you're jotting down your own personal notes as we go through it, a second theme might be man's relation to God. Man's relation to God. Think about it. We, we ask questions, even from a young age sometimes. Why am I here? What's the purpose? How did I get here? You know, it's by inspiration. It's by design. God answers those questions from the very beginning. People spend lots of time and we, we spend lots of money in deep existential questions. How did I get here? What am I doing? What's my purpose? But God begins the Bible with those answers. In the book of Genesis, we learn so much there about the beginnings of so many different things. And that can be encouraging to us as we consider all of these different things this evening. Uh, again, we only have so much room for so many kind of notes there uh, in the bulletin each week. But if we kind of broke the book of Genesis down, there's really two main sections. The first section is chapters 1 through 11. Chapters 1 through 11 cover the creation of the world as well as the creation of man. And they really go up to the call of Abraham. Now again, we could get very much in detail. And let me pause right here. I meant to say this at the beginning. But one of the things that I'm using, along with several other sources of information, um, I found this online one time. Some of you know the Colley family. Uh, Caleb Colley and his wife put out uh, a set of information, and they call it the Bible Basics Bullets. And it takes two pages, and of course I make it front and back, and cover a chat, or excuse me, a book in two pages. And I think that's very interesting. If you'd like a copy of that, we can, can get a hold of it. They just make that available online. But it's very interesting, especially as you're doing something like this, to take a look at that. And they cover. So, I mean, as I'm looking at the chapters here, that there's any number of things that we could cover in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. But in a general sense, there is the creation of the world, and that goes up to the call of Abraham. There's about 2,000 years that's covered, of course, not in detail, obviously, with just a few short chapters, uh, but there is about 2,000 years covered, and there are four great events in those first 11 chapters. You know them pretty much by heart. There is the creation, there is the fall of man, the flood, and the nations scattered. And of course, by nations scattered, we would mean the Tower of Babel, as we've even covered that at the end of last year in one of our sermons. Pardon me. But there are four great events that are mentioned in these first 11 chapters. And again, we, we try to kind of cover them uh, very quickly and just think about them for just a moment. But there is a lot that's packed into there. There's a lot of lessons. Even this year, as some of us had a chance to, to visit the ark or the replica of the ark there and think about uh, all the things that that means for us even today, um, there's a lot to consider in those even those four great events. And we'll just have to touch on them very briefly this evening there. Uh, the second main division of the book of Genesis is chapters 12 through 50. 
Chapters 12 through 50 is the history of the patriarchs. Now again, that's a very short way of giving you a lot of information. I jotted down a few notes included in chapters 12 through 50. Chapter 19 is where God destroys Sodom and rescues Lot. Chapter 22 is where Abraham offers Isaac. Uh, chapter 25 is Abraham's death and the story we know very well of Esau selling his birthright. Chapters 28 through 30 is where Jacob marries Leah and Rachel while working for Laban. Uh, chapters 37 through 47, that entire section is where Joseph is sold into slavery and saves Egypt. I mean, again, we've been covering Exodus, and by the way, that's where a little bit this comes out of. I plan to cover Exodus uh, in a general way over the month of February as our young people are thinking about that uh, in regards to lads to leaders, um, but we may postpone that a little bit for a few various reasons. But when we think about uh, the book of Genesis, there's so much there in the sense of a story. Uh, last year, our kids are covering uh, Exodus and Last Leaders. Last year, uh, we covered First and Second Corinthians. Great books, very encouraging, but not the same as the story uh, of Moses and the story of Egypt and all those things that are included in Exodus. Well, Genesis is a similar sense. There's a lot of good stories there. We read about people, people doing things, people being obedient. People being disobedient. We learn some life lessons from these folks as well. And so that can be very encouraging to us. One of the things about this book of the month club, if you will, is I hope that you take a moment to kind of review this. I don't know, hopefully you have your own maybe Bible reading. Maybe you have your own personal study that you do from the books that we're covering in our classes on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. You go home tonight, you got a little free time this week. Maybe open up and thumb through Genesis again. Refresh yourself or remind yourself of some of the things that are uh, included there because they are encouraging. These are stories, and we use that word very carefully sometimes. We mention that in previous lessons, but you know we don't try to make them as fables or fairy tales. These are real things and real people, but stories of these real people. And we can learn a lot from even these patriarchs. When you think about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even Joseph, we've told our kids as they've looked at Exodus, you hear that a lot in the book of Exodus. I am the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Guess what? That means something. That comes from somewhere. And it helps us to really think about that uh, as we think about the book of Genesis. I'd ask you to consider a few key verses with me, if you will. First of all, Genesis 1-1. Why do we not begin there? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I already mentioned us talking about this in our Bible class this morning, but, but it begins there. So many questions are answered right there. I mean, science books. I mean, I mean, so many things are touched on if we understand that. I was uh, talking with Heath, and we've talked about evangelism a couple times here lately and some of the mission trips we've been on. We've talked about how a lot of times when you study with someone, you might need to begin in Genesis 1-1. You might need to begin with understanding that God created the heavens and the earth and that he did so in the fashion that the Bible says. And there's a whole series of lessons there about creation and science and all of those things. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ex nihilo, God breathed. It's so amazing to consider what he did there. And that is certainly sets the foundation even for the rest of the Bible, not just the book of Genesis. Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. When we talk about the scheme of redemption, 
when we talk about the plan of God, we go all the way back to the book of Genesis in the very beginning. Right there, we begin seeing this picture painted for us that, that God understands, that God knew. We've been talking uh, in our class on Wednesday nights about Daniel and the idea that many people use the book of Daniel uh, to support premillennialism and many other false ideas. But, but a lot of that is, is this idea that, that God had a plan and that God, uh, Jesus was coming to establish his kingdom, but then God got caught off guard. Because the Jews rejected Jesus. And he had to go around. He had to make this backdoor plan, if you will, which was the church. Uh, There's a lot of confusing things there. But no, God had a plan. And as God, even here in Genesis chapter 3, with the temptation and the fall of man, with what takes place with Adam and with Eve, we see in verse 15 this setting of the stage, if you will. this, This beginning to point towards the Christ. And one of the things I kind of left out that I wanted us to talk about, but for the sake of time tonight, is how many different places in Genesis that we see this pointing towards Christ, including Joseph, who is a a type of Christ, if you will, if you ever study the types and the antitypes in the Bible there. The next verse, Genesis chapter 12, or verses, Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, and I will make you, or I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The promises to Abraham or to Abram there in chapter 12 are important. Again, setting the foundation. Pointing forward. Whether it's Daniel. Whether it's Abram. Whether it's there with Adam and Eve. God is setting the stage to be faithful. God is setting the stage to uphold his promises. And that is comfort. That should be of comfort to us to consider that. And as he makes that promise to Abram, and later, even later as he has to renew that promise or renews that promises, promise to Abraham, there is encouragement to think about it. And when we talk about the children of Israel in Exodus and even going forward, that should have been a part of that. That should have been a part of life for them. And it, and it was, in a sense, but how many times did they forget And think about that and question God. And we do the very same thing even today. And Genesis chapter 39 and verse number 9. Obviously again for the sake of time we're going to have to just touch on a few verses. He is not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And sin against God. We just jump right into the middle of, of, of the story there, don't we? As we think about Joseph and Potiphar's wife, uh, there is some encouragement there. And you know the story. We've covered it for, for many, uh, many years in Bible classes and in various things. But as we think about Joseph taking a stand and Joseph being willing to say those words, how then can I do this great wickedness? And sin against God. He begins there to set the tone. He begins to set the tone for the people of God. To consider what sin truly is. As we've covered love and sin in in the adult Bible class there on Sunday mornings here recently. We've considered how great love is and how terrible sin is. And that both of them have to do with our relationships. Our relationships with each other. When we sin, we sin oftentimes against one another. But we sin first and foremost against God. That's the question. 
I mean, that's the question that Joseph asked here. He doesn't ask if it would feel good. He doesn't ask if it's what I want to do. He asks in a general way out loud whether if I do this, I'm going to sin against God. He knows the answer. The answer is yes. And that's the answer for many of the things that we decide to do. But if we would consider that, then maybe we would make the right decision many times as opposed to the struggles that we go through even in this life and even as we see in these many uh, people. Again, I use the word character sometimes, and that's, that's not wrong necessarily, but we don't want to, to mislead anybody. But these people, these characters uh, in the book of Genesis and in the Old Testament that we can learn so much from. Tonight, a few practical lessons for you uh, from the book of Genesis. Number one, God is the sovereign creator. God is the sovereign creator. I still hold to the idea uh, that maybe the people in East Tennessee get a little more of that than people around the world. It doesn't take very long driving around this, these neck of the woods here in the fall or in the spring uh, to behold the majesty uh, of God, to think about the creation and how wonderful and beautiful it is. But we understand that he is the sovereign creator. He is a covenant-making God who always keeps his promises. And when we talk about things that, that should comfort our soul, I mean, that, that should be it. That should be a part of it, at least. He is a covenant-making God. He does keep his promises. We may not always receive the punishment that we deserve in that moment, the exact moment we do something wrong. We may, all, may not always receive the blessings we feel like we deserve when we do what's right. But God keeps his promises. He did with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did with those even going forward in the Old Testament into the New. And he will with us. And he will with us because that is the God who is the sovereign creator. Uh, we mentioned it last Sunday even, but in Acts chapter 17, as Paul describes him to those at, at Athens, those at Mars Hill there, and, and comparing him to the many other gods that they're trying to serve. He talks about the God who made all things, who gives life and breath to all things. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He does make covenants, and he does keep his promises. And that is something that we can rely upon and something that we can take from the book of Genesis. Number two, this isn't in your outline. Here's you an extra one. Uh, but holy living results in great blessings. Holy living results in great blessings. If you've got your Bible, look into John chapter 14. Sometimes as we make these practical applications, we like to take a look at a New Testament text uh, for just a moment and think about, you know, maybe how it uh, applies to us in the way. But Jesus makes a statement in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's very simple. It's very plain and easy there for us to understand. If you love me, keep my commandments. Holy living results in great blessings. I want you to understand, and I think you do, that's not just talking about works. You know, that's not the thing that we can do works and enough works that we can get into heaven, so to speak. But it's holy living. It's right living. That's where we receive the great blessings. Uh, again, we talked about it in our class this morning. But what we're making the point, God's told us how to live. And when we follow that, we have a lot less trouble in our life. <laughs> That's just the way it works. That's just the way he intended for it to be. When we follow what he's told us to do regarding sexual purity, it just works. When he's told us what to do regarding our relationships with our husbands and wives, our fathers and our mothers, it just works. 
When, when we treat each other the way we want to be treated, it just works. Life is a lot easier. You don't have to worry about always, wor- always worrying about what you said last. Covering your tail, you know, with some type of lie. Maybe making sure you, you perpetuate that and go further and, and you don't mess up and somebody catches you in it. When you think about the way you interact with others, we can spend our life worrying about those things or we can enjoy the great blessings that God provides for us. He does so through His Word or in His Word and the way He's told us to live. And guess what? That's an Old Testament thing too. There we see things such as prayer. We see ethical behavior. Again, I'm not trying to say that it's, it's works-based or you can do enough or you can check all the boxes, but there is things that we should do ethical behavior the way we should live and there is sacrifice of course in the old testament but god gives the people the way he wants them to live and the way he wants them to interact even tonight we kind of had a a laugh with our kids as we had bible bowl practice before we were in exodus chapter 21 and 22 i know a lot of us know exodus chapter 20 because it's where the ten commandments are found but you go forward into chapter 21 and you start talking about how to deal with your brother's ox And what you do when you need to stone the ox to death. And who pays for the ox when the ox dies or when the ox gores a male or a female servant. The kids are going, what? (laughs) Why do we need to know these things? What does it matter? And we try to drive home the point, okay, you may not have to deal with your brother's ox. But the way that we treat each other when something goes wrong or when there's some type of problem or there's some type of damage to property. God began laying that foundation even in Exodus and even in the book of Genesis. That we would live holy, that we would have right living amongst ourselves and with each other, and then things are taken care of. Now, of course, man messes up, and we have to learn how to deal with that, and that's part of the book of Genesis 2. But holy living results in great blessings in Genesis and, of course, in 2019. And then finally this evening, another practical lesson. Even if we do not understand, we must trust and obey, again, to borrow from One of the songs that we often sing. Of course, the idea of trusting and obeying with the book of Genesis comes from Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, we think about Abraham. And maybe it means a little more. I don't know. Or maybe it doesn't mean more. But maybe it makes a little more of an impact on those of us who are fathers. Uh, As we consider going to the point of right here. I mean, the, the knife in the air. Fixing to kill our son because we were told to. And we consider trusting and obeying in God. And we think about Abraham being willing to offer Isaac going up into that point and that great account that is included there. It's something for us to, to consider. I think about the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, pardon me, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God is faithful. God is faithful through temptation. God is faithful to make a way for us. Sometimes it involves hurt. Sometimes it involves pain and suffering. Sometimes it involves many different things. But we must understand that we need to trust and obey, even sometimes when we don't understand the reason why. Again, we can all ask that question when we've lost loved ones. When we received a diagnosis, maybe that we don't like, something that, that is going to be hard for us physically, maybe some type of, of something with our health. But even when we do not understand, we have to trust and obey in God. And we can be thankful many times that we don't have to maybe go to the point of sacrificing our son or one of our, chi- uh, one of our children 
or many other things. But yet we are tested and tried. We are tempted from time to time by the things that we choose to do and by this world and our life. But we must trust and obey in God. And we can see the same uh, comfort and hope that those people saw in Genesis. Again, there's a lot to unpack there. And I would share with you one final thought here. Uh, some of you are aware there's a, a thing online, there's a website, a group of people called The Bible Project. They put out videos on YouTube and there's a website and many things where you can, can go and watch. And it's one of those where it's illustrated. Some of you have seen it before, but uh, it's kind of interesting to watch. But as I was kind of, again, using different things and looking for some different ideas to try to sum up Genesis, I, I liked one of the things that they shared, and it, and it went like this. It says, God makes a good world. This is kind of the summary of Genesis. God makes a good world and commissions humans to rule it, and then they give in to evil and ruin everything. <laughs> uh, that kind of that sums it up pretty good there. God makes this great world, he commissions us to rule it, and then we go and we mess it up and we kind of ruin everything. Uh, there's maybe a little truth there, there's a little humor there. But when you consider the book of Genesis tonight, and you consider some of these practical lessons, we need to remember God is the creator and the sustainer. We need to remember that holy living, not necessarily perfect living, not necessarily works-based living, but holy living provides us great blessings and understanding that even when we don't understand, we need to trust and obey God. We can take just even three simple lessons from the book of Genesis tonight. Uh, there's a lot to consider, and I hope that you will maybe do some more of this on your own in the coming week or in the next few weeks or so. But we can take some practical lessons from the Old Testament and even work, working forward. By the way, obviously it's a total joke about job security. But I did talk to Chad this week as I was told him that I was going to start this up again here. And he said, God willing, that he would get through the book of Revelation this year. I think they began in about 2014. I mean, you think about it, a, a book a month, it's about five years or so. But he said, God willing, we'll get through the book of Revelation. Uh, we can take encouragement, not only from Genesis, but certainly from the whole Bible. And this evening, as we conclude this lesson, and we ask for you to consider your life in light of not necessarily the book of Genesis, because we don't live by the way God told his people to be saved or to be holy at that time. But when we consider lie, our life in light of those applications and those lessons, we extend the Lord's invitation to you, heaven's invitation tonight. If you need to make a change, either by becoming a Christian and making that great commitment, or turning back to him, or even as we had the, the wonderful blessing and the great example this morning of our brother Jerry coming forward and saying, you know, I need the prayers of those around me. I need the encouragement. Uh, we can do that. We can gladly pray with you and for you. We don't want anyone to leave with questions or worry or with any type of things that they feel like they need to deal with on their own. We're here to support you and encourage you in any way, even now as we stand together.